Hello and welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with Jake Peach and Chris Moss. Thank you all who message us getting involved with the podcast. It's very much appreciated. And don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside podcast on Facebook and we're at podcast underscore on Twitter and Instagram. In this episode, we are looking ahead to the second race of the Formula One calendar in 2021 and uh, back to the legendary Imola circuit. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the last time we were here in the pandemic riddled season uh, um, last year, of course, with the race come back onto the calendar, what we think of it being on the calendar and uh, if it could be here to stay for some more seasons to come. Also this week, we'll be looking at the drivers and constructors table, seeing how the drivers fared in the first race and how we think they'll be faring this week here in Imola. We'll also share any paddock gossip that we have noticed and of course, our predictions for this weekend's Grand Prix. Okay, first, let's talk about this weekend's ridiculously named Formula One Pirelli Gran Premio del Made in Italy Idemia Romano 2021 Grand Prix. So looking back at uh, last year's race, Chris, we saw Imola come back onto the calendar due to the coronavirus pandemic, but actually it was a very welcome return. It was a great race, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it was great. It was a two-day race weekend. Uh, we had one practice session... We had one qualifying uh, hour and obviously the race. So it was a very shortened uh, weekend as to what we know. But it made it interesting. The teams didn't really know how much they needed, being that they have not been at the track for 14 years. 2006, the last time we raced here. And obviously the track has very much changed with uh, the final chicane not longer being there. And of course, had it not been for the pandemic, it would have been probably quite unlikely that we went back to him, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, when the calendar got released in the last season, it wasn't on the calendar for this season. It's only for the postponement of the Chinese Grand Prix, which would have been taking place this weekend, that they've uh, got got the track back ready for us to race there again which is great to see so what did you make of the the race last evening we had some great overtakes from people like charles leclerc and danny kvyat who went on a bit of a charge after a safety car restart um and a good battle with with verstappen and bottas as well um yeah it was really entertaining race last season yeah it it was a great race i mean we we saw some good battling between the red bulls and mercedes hopefully it'll be the same again this year um, Max Verstappen will be hoping to finally finish a race in Italy after going three for three retirements last year. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, the track offers the chance to overtake, especially with the long straight down the, the start finish line. It, it, it's sort of an old school race with sort of new toys with the DRS. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very <laughs> interesting. Obviously, we saw Ricardo in a Renault getting a podium. So mm. this might be one of them weird races where one of the underdogs scores quite big and we saw really heartbreaking for many dutch fans and max fans um he'd literally overtaken or gone into the lead hadn't he and then within moments of him on a charge uh, one of the rear tires just gave up punctured and he was in the gravel and i read a stat somewhere this week i don't think verstappen has won or finished on the podium in any race that has been in italy in his whole career in Formula One. So it's almost like there's a bit of bad luck, a bit of a jinx um, that Italy has for Max Verstappen. Yeah, well, obviously last year there, there was the talks of Fernando doing the Triple Crown with Indy and uh, obviously 
he he won the twenty four hour Le Mans as well. But yeah, Max did his own triple crown of retiring at Monza, retiring at Mugello, <laughs> and retiring at Imola. You know, the first time we've ever had three tracks in one country, and Max retired from them all. But it's looking um, it's looking like their favourites, isn't it, going into this uh, Grand Prix, even though, of course, Hamilton just edged Verstappen in the last Grand Prix at Bahrain, which was a, a, a amazing battle, one we'd always wanted to see. It looks like Red Bull have got the package and um, the fastest car going into this weekend, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they, they, they've definitely got uh, probably an upper hand on top of Mercedes this this weekend. But, you know, we've seen it time and time again. When Mercedes need to pull it out of the bag, they're there. And I, mm. I don't see why they can't challenge, you know, Max and even Sergio. I know Sergio had a pretty poor qualifying last mm. time out. But, you know, race day, he, he he's one to definitely keep an eye on. And early this week as well, saw Pierre Gasly, who says he has unfinished business, posting on his Instagram, uh, at Imola. Um, for, for uh, after last year retiring qualified a really strong P4 in the AlphaTauri which at the time they were seen quite as a bit of underdogs but this season they're, they're really seen as proper competitors I think in, in uh, certainly sort of the the best of the rest if you like a sort of phrase we've heard over the last few years with the dominant Mercedes era um, of course bad luck for Gasly last time out some contact in the first uh, lap or so wasn't it in Bahrain but yeah he'll be looking to build on this strong pace that AlphaTauri seems to have carried through to this year and try and um, sort of still emerge from that really strong pace last year that he had qualifying P4. Yeah, and obviously Daniel, uh, Danny Kvyat, he, he got fourth place in the race. So it's, it's the car that, you know, it has the pace to go really well there. They did outscore the Red Bull team, obviously, with Alex Albon spinning after the safety car restart. But, you know, they were the ones that were challenging Ricardo for that final place on the podium. And what a, what a place it would have been for the Italian team to get it at, a, at an Italian track. And an Alpha Tauri as well, they, they did their uh, shakedown at Imola as well. I mean, they say they obviously they can't collect any data when they're doing this kind of stuff. Um, and and learn about the track and how they might be able to improve because it go, obviously goes against all the rules. But there must be some advantage that they have there from having tested at the track before the season. Yeah, they could put their name on the best parking spot. <laughs> Which is hopefully a P1 on the grid. <laughs> You'd very much hope so. Um, also, this week, um, we've seen Ricardo come out and said he was a bit underwhelmed with his P7 in Bahrain, acclimatising to his new McLaren. Um, but he says he's adjusted quicker to the McLaren than he did going from Rebel to the Renault. Um, so that's a positive sign, isn't it? Yeah, and so McLaren seemed to be quite a welcoming team. They obviously had Carlos Sainz coming from Renault as well a couple of seasons ago, and he settled in very, very well with Lando. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that Daniel Ricciardo settled in very quickly. He seems quite a you know, very, very nice guy, and obviously they want to make him feel welcome. Uh, they, they brought him in, paid a lot of good money for him. Mm. They want to obviously make him feel at home straight away. It's quite an interesting battle this season, I think, we're going to see with Norris and... And Ricardo, um, Norris the is kind of, of smiles. exactly, yeah. And I think Norris though is the kind of guy to be quite reserved and not really show much of that aggression on the outside. But I think Ricardo is is very vocal and gets his shoulders out and will be sort of making trying trying to make a statement anyway and trying to unsettle Norris's um, sort of I don't know stability being at McLaren f- for the last couple of years. I think that's where Daniel Ricardo's 
experience comes in. He he's fight. He's fought for race wins. He's fought for podiums. He he knows how when when to get his arms out. You know, we he used to be the king of the last of the late breakers back when mm. he was in his Red Bull days. So it it doesn't surprise me that he he wants to go all guns blazing straight away. Didn't have the best of luck in Bahrain, but still scored points on debut for the team. Mm. And as a driver as well, having watched Drive to Survive as well, a little bit behind the scenes. Spoiler alert: um, if you don't want to listen, skip ahead. Um, Ricardo has sort of a mentality of obviously every driver is in Formula 1 to try and win a, uh, a title you know and be very competitive and obviously win that world championship that's what all these drivers have worked so hard to get to the sport to do uh, he seems like the kind of driver that is really seek, trying to seek that out and seek the fastest performing team as as best he can um, many say that his decision from going from Renault to McLaren was a bit rash and a bit quick um, for him to make so soon of course we saw Renault doing so well towards the end of last season with podiums um, do, you, do you see Ricardo settling at McLaren over the next few years I, I know he's got a, um, quite a long term contract anyway but I guess if you if you want to move it doesn't really mean a lot so he could he could leave if he wanted to do you see him staying there for a while I think it's very dependent on if McLaren can offer him the best chance to get a championship Obviously, he was at Red Bull when they weren't the strongest car on the grid. Mercedes and Ferrari probably edging them for that first two spaces. But mm. then once Max come in, the team very much favoured Max and saw him as the young protégé to come up yeah. and lead them to becoming the next uh, champion. So he, he obviously felt he had to get out to have any kind of chance to um, to win. And then, yeah, Renault didn't exactly work out for him. He got the podiums, which he set out to do. But McLaren, they've they've won countless amount of drivers' championships, countless amount of constructors' championships. None, none on the constructors' front since 1998. Mm. But, you know, it's been now 12 years since Lewis won his last drivers for the team. And that was the last one for the team. Yeah, it's amazing to think that it's been that long, isn't it? Um, going all that way back. Yeah, and say for a team that's you know it, they they last won a race back in twenty twelve Brazil I think mm. you know they're a team that are lacking in the wins percentages, but we've seen in the last two or three seasons they've started to get back to where they were. They're starting to get onto the podium, and to be fair, they got on a podium a couple of times last year. They got a second place, only what a second or two behind Pierre Gasly in Italy. Yeah, for, Italy for, yeah. for the win. So that, they're a team that are coming up and 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 getting there. That win you mentioned as well in 2012 at Interlagos was only because Button finished under the safety car uh, in in the pouring rain um, and and an accident. So uh, you could you could argue even then that was it was kind of favoured for them. Um, but yeah, no, McLaren seem to be very very steadily making their way up up the grid and Ricardo saying he wants to be a big part of that and, and get a lot more performance hopefully he can be a bit more uh, equal to Norris this weekend at Imola and just finally on the Imola front um, we we heard a lot about track limits didn't we in the last race at Bahrain with Hamilton slightly taking the mickey um, going into an, into and out of turn four using the wide runoff um, we've heard this week that they're going to be enforced in all sessions across 
the whole track. Um, so good to get some clarification on that, Chris, because I guess it was a bit of a grey area going into the first race of the season. Yeah, now, now that you know they know what they can and can't do, and it's going to be regulated throughout the entire weekend. You know, th- there's there's no getting out of it. Mm. And there's and there's quite uh, Imola as well. One of the, there is there is some runoff, not loads, but there is some runoff that drivers could take quite a bit of advantage of, couldn't they? And especially sort of um, going into the sort of the fast left right and using too much on the right hand curb. Um, and there is some runoff runoff as you go sort of into sector two a little bit. So there could be some places where drivers sort of push the boundaries a little bit too much. Where, where can you see drivers being? sort of pulled up the most around the track? I think it'd probably be more towards the end of the lap. Um, mm. Coming up after the chicane, there's a little bit of a, a grass and ash, uh, astro mm. section where they can run wide. Obviously, if they're policing truly and having all four wheels off, then potentially it can get a little bit of time there. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. No, so no, good, to, uh, good to see that um, the dust has been settled on that issue, for, especially for Imla this weekend. All right, that's all of um, all the stuff for Imola this this weekend. And before we move on to the rest of the news uh, this week, what are we predicting on the podium, Chris, for this for this weekend? What what, what are we thinking? Oh, I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking Lewis is going to somehow get a win. Oh, bold, bold suggestion. Going bold. I'm thinking. Max second mm. and Checo third. Oh, you th- so you think Perez? Yeah, I mean, you think Perez is going to be in the mix? Obviously, very lucky last time out where he had some trouble at the start of the race, but you think he's going to be able to support his teammate this time, which Red Bull have been longing for? Yeah, I mean, we saw in Bahrain, Valtteri compared to his teammate, you know, mm. he was just didn't seem to have the same oomph in the car. Mm. It was only when looking at the like split times under the like when they pitted, Bottas was a little bit quicker in in, in a few of the uh, race uh, stints, but the damage had already been done when he got so far behind Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just feel I don't know, Bottas three point just isn't <laughs> to be there just yet. But um, Perez, hey, he started from the pit lane, finished fifth. Yeah. I mean, what, what comeback he had. Yeah, and who knows? A lot of people obviously saying, that, uh, you know, we know very much that Red Bull see Max as number one, but we haven't seen, we've only seen one race and Perez is all about, you know, being the underdog and um, surprising us all like he did in, well, especially like he did in Bahrain with his first victory. So you never know. There could be more of that to come. I think though, my podium this weekend has got to be Verstappen, Hamilton, and I think Gasly is going to be up there. I think or Sonoda, Gasly or Sonoda. I think one of the Avatari cars is going to be up there. I think that car is very, very quick this season. I definitely think Sonoda has yeah. got the pace. And who are you going for pole? Ooh, um, it's got to be Max, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree on that. I'm going to go Max. Yeah, Max Verstappen. Uh, those are our predictions. If you want to share uh, your predictions with us, we'll be uh, putting up a couple of graphics um, along with our social media posts for this weekend's uh, episode. 
um so yeah if you want to share your predictions with us or of your podium we'll be putting up a post and just uh, screenshot it or comment below what your podium you think is going to be uh, we'd love you to get involved we are around the outside podcast on facebook and at ato podcast underscore on twitter and instagram right let's now round up the rest of the news in the world of formula one this week Okay, so in other news, we've got a story that F1 are potentially looking at returning to Africa within the next 10 years. Yeah, it's really exciting to see Formula 1 possibly going back to that continent. And if you think about it, Formula 1 being such a international sport, it's not in one of the biggest or well, one of the biggest continents in in the world, which is quite amazing to think actually. And of course, we wouldn't do a race uh, at Antarctica because that would be, well, a very different racing series but yeah it's, it'd be good to be back in africa and of course they were we were last in south africa at um kyle army which produced some really great racing in the 80s and do you think that we'd be able to go back to that circuit given a few you know upgrades and that it, it falls into the right class and category for a formula one race um potentially i mean you, you see it a lot in like uh gt racing and other sort of disciplines like touring cars so you do see see it on on the calendar but i don't know i feel like if they're going to go back to africa then they're likely probably going to get someone like herman tilker to build a specific circuit mm. make it big modern flash big hello we're back in africa sort of display like you know we're probably going to be getting at the end of the season when we go to saudi arabia for the first time yeah, and again, there, as as far as I'm aware, there aren't any African drivers on the grid. But it's of course, if the race went back there again, it would be uh, a move to promote, you know, film for Formula One young drivers from that continent to maybe get into Formula One and inspire that generation and and people from from that continent to get into the sport. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. And uh, you know, if F1 wanted to get more people involved and get drivers you know racing from different areas they could do something like they're doing in the superbikes and do like a wild card system where mm-hmm. you know they just have like pick a couple of teams have a third car they don't can contribute any points to the constructors but give them a chance to drive and you know they'd have different drivers and then you know potentially see them come up the grid in a couple of years time or something it's a great idea. Do you work with Stefano Medemonacali, Chris? You like his little no. PA? You should suggest that. Um, talking <laughs> of Stefano Domenicali, of course, former Ferrari team principal is now heading up Formula One. Did a video on social media this week with the main Formula One brand saying that they would like to see a Formula One driver on the grid that's female in the next few years. And of course, Jamie Chadwick seems to be the person in the driving seat at the moment for that. Uh, pardon the pun uh, competing in form um, in extreme e and uh, the w series as well at the moment um looking like she's going to be involved on the grid fairly soon is involved with williams of course uh, and their sort of development program with their formula one team at the moment so that's very exciting to see that the top of formula one are very much having the same ambitions isn't it they're, and they're talking about it because that's then showing you know they've got an open mind towards that kind of stuff and it's it's only going to be good again trying to inspire more females and people we wouldn't expect to see on the grid normally to get into into formula one racing yeah absolutely and you know we've seen it especially with the new recent extreme e-series you know 
males and females working in absolute perfect harmony and you know they're they're getting the best out of, out of a team and you know it, who's to say in 10 years time that you know could you imagine formula one having you know maybe the first ever female world champion it'll be a great thing to see i mean we saw it at the weekend just gone with the grand national mm. the first ever mm. female grand national jockey winning you know so it, the, the world in terms of sport and uh, having women up there is becoming a lot bigger and it's a mm. it's a great thing to see obviously uh, i saw a report at the weekend um something to do with uh, some, some countries having to censor certain things um but you know 90 percent of the world are very much up for this mm. you know and that's we, we, we we've got to still make big gains to get them into the driving seat but you know hopefully if we keep pushing it enough we'll be able to see someone like jamie chadwick going up there you know maybe eventually driving and winning races it's great to see that these demographics which have been marginalized for so long you know finally getting a chance and it shouldn't have taken this much discussion and exposure and social awareness to get to this point but unfortunately it has and that's the way it's been but i think once we get there and people like jamie chadwick and other drivers coming up um emma kimmelainen who's another big name coming up too um could be you know absolutely so inspiring for people um our age even that, that maybe want to try and that, that are women that want to get into the sport um people even younger as well trying growing up and uh, rubbing shoulders with boys on the go-kart track and actually thinking that this is a viable career for them now rather than thinking that it's going to be really difficult to get involved with so no it's a really positive thing that that uh that they're doing and they're actually now kind of really committing to it it seems that way anyway doesn't it especially with the series that are supporting it like uh, extreme e with form one links there with hamilton rosberg button also involved with that so and the 50 50 split like you say so it's going to be um, exciting. Be good to see perhaps in Formula E some more female drivers getting into that as well. So, no, re really, uh, really exciting time to see all this diversity really just bursting out in, especially in in motor racing and hopefully Formula One very soon to come. Um, and staying on the female front as well, Formula One announcing as well with esports we were obviously chatting to Yano weren't we last week a Formula 1 esports champion at the moment but they've announced a female only qualification route um, sort of wild card for females so any competitor that is a woman that wants to have a chance of getting involved with Formula 1 esports there's going to be a film, female only competition for them to qualify as part of the F1 esports pro series um, to race alongside the likes of Brendan Lee, Jarno Otmir, who we were talking to last week. And again, that this can only be a good thing, can't it, Chris? Yeah, again, it'll it'll bring, say, F1 into light of allowing more, you know, gender equality. And also, it, it'll be great to see, you know, anybody can be great at esports. They just need to have that platform to show what they can do. You know, and you know some some girls might not want to put themselves out there, but hmm. I know quite a few people when I race. You know, there's quite a few very very fast girls. Hmm. You know, and sometimes all they just need is just something very small, like say F1 now announcing a female only qualification route to go into esports to inspire them. Hmm. 
And it's very much about breaking that gamer girl stereotype, isn't it? I think a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and when you race people, like, it doesn't matter who you are. You you race, you give each other respect, Mm. you know, and whoever wins, you know, they, they win. You know, it doesn't matter anything, really, as long as, you know you give each other respect and that that's that's all it should be about and also you should enjoy it you should be enjoying racing for fun and you know doing stuff like that and yeah and when it gets competitive it's it's uh every person for themselves isn't it no matter what they're like and how and um where they where they've come from it's you know you put in putting all your heart and soul to the track and that's it at the end of the day so it's good to see formula one again committing to this diversity which is is only a good thing to see um final piece of news this week from you chris yeah so last week i was talking about final votes for the miami 2022 proposition Mm. well yesterday the 14th of april they finally did the votes and it went through so it looks like potentially next year we could be seeing a race around the Hard Rock Arena in Miami, <laughs> which will be absolutely great to see. They've had to um, do a few resolutions, something along the lines of they can't race before 2.30 in the afternoon on any weekdays uh, oh. with schools. And uh, they've also committed to a $5 million fund to help communities benefit from having Formula One there, which will be over a 10-year period as well. Yeah, so again, like we were alluding to in the last episode, there's investment in the local economy, um, and we, you know, obviously, you're doing a lot for the local community as well. So, oh, that's brilliant! Can we get some tickets to go, Chris, to go to Miami? I've always wanted a reason to go oh, to Miami, but I feel like there is one now. <laughs> oh, let's do it. Might be a bit expensive though. We might have to save for a couple of years. But uh, <laughs> who knows if the track is delayed being built? Then. Um, could be a couple of years yet anyway. Who knows? Who knows? Well, that is all for this week of Around the Outside with myself, Jake Peach and Chris Moss. Remember, if you want to keep up uh, or get in touch with us and keep up with all today of what we're doing here on the podcast, uh, Around the Outside podcast on Facebook. That's where you can find us. Or we're on Twitter and Instagram. We're at ATO podcast underscore. We hope you're looking forward to the race in Imola as much as we are. We will see you next time here on Around the Outside. See you soon. Take care.